Welcome to another episode of Slick Talk. I'm your host, Blackstone Joe. Full disclosure, I'm three cups of coffee deep and I'm ready to roll. What's in a name? Or, to be a little bit more specific, the unit ID. So for those wondering what a unit ID is, it's what you're supposed to provide on the slip of every sample you send in. But for veterans and rookies alike, this is a point of confusion because folks aren't always sure what to say, what not to say or why a unit ID even matters. So I figured why not do an explanation on the show. And as a bonus, or perhaps a little dessert, if you will, we have another catch pan segment because a loyal listener of the program, our friend Phil, sent along some questions about high mileage oil. What qualifies an engine to be high mileage, the risks, the benefits of using these different types of oil. So we're going to break all of that down after we address the main event. However, I have to be honest with you all just real quick here, okay? This isn't the first time that I've tried recording episode 36, and this isn't a confession that I casually make. First takes are the most honest takes. I think I remember Matthew McConaughey saying that in his new book, Green Lights. I recently read it. I love it. No, this is not an official plug for the book. Just consider this another unofficial Blackstone sponsor. And Matthew, if you're listening, don't hesitate to send a fifth of Long Branch my way. You know, be friendly with your favorite used oil analysis podcast on streaming platforms everywhere. But as I was saying, this is take two of episode 36, and not because of reasons that you might think. I was sitting in my living room ready to record... When the animals in our stable started running amok, FedEx decided to deliver a couch, unexpectedly, I might add, and, well, calamity ensued. So I figured, at the end of the day, I want to provide you all with a clean recording, because we like a clean tape, like we enjoy a clean, highlight-free report. And, you know, maybe one day, you'll get to hear that raucous audio of Two cats trying to have a WWE match on my floor, and I digress. We're here to talk about engine oil analysis, and a key step in the process is letting us know what you sampled, what your favorite name is for what you sampled, so we can keep all of your data in the same place. So to help everyone keep track, I have a few, let's just call them points of interest uh, with today's topic that you need to pay attention to when crafting your preferred unit ID. Point number one, being literal is good unless you have more than one of the same thing. So being literal would be like owning a 2016 F-250 and naming it 2016 F-250. It's simple, it's to the point, and we're able to easily tell what you've sampled. Now, here's where the difficulty can come in. Let's say you're a shop owner, you know, a mechanic, you manage a fleet of vehicles. These are all things that apply to our customer base. In those instances, it would behoove you to choose something that is like maybe a customer name, an order number. It happens quite often. So like 
let's just say in the realm of BMW shops. You know, we see thousands upon thousands of M3s, okay? So if we're looking at all these M3 samples, let's say you see uh, 10 2008 M3s, and instead of just calling it 08 M3, which could result in us putting multiple cars sample history together that doesn't actually need to be combined and it creates this wacky trend that's, you know, not helpful to anybody, choosing a customer name, choosing something more specific. Some people like to include the VIN number. That's okay. Uh, VIN numbers are something that I don't really uh, endorse all that often, mainly because they're lengthy, they're easy to make a typo, uh, that sort of thing. Whatever you want to do though, just keep it specific and that way we don't end up combining the history of one or multiple vehicles that aren't actually involving the same engine. The nice thing about aircraft, you know, uh, A&Ps that are working on several different aircraft, this isn't really an issue for them because the unit ID for an aircraft should always be the tail number. So if you provide us with the tail number each and every time, there's not going to be any confusion. But when it comes to things other than aircraft, you often run into the possibility for there being nicknames. And nicknames are fun. Uh, if I still had my Sunfire, I would be putting the samples in under the unit ID four cylinders of fury because that's what I called the vehicle. And also it kind of let people know what I was doing with it. So here's where nicknames can be great. Uh, if they include a little bit of context about what you do with that car, how you drive it, maybe what kind of use the engine sees, you can include a little hint in the nickname. You know, I've often brought up the nickname, uh, the beast. All right, that's a pretty common one. And that's that's a good way to know that high RPM operation, uh, maybe racing or just, you know, doing your best Vin Diesel impression. It lets me know where you're coming from. So nicknames are good in general. The idea of it, I'm fine with. But please, I will just come right out and say, don't, don't use profanity because sometimes your joke is not going to land. So I would say just the best practice is to avoid that. Uh, I might get a good laugh out of it, but I'm not everybody. So the one thing I would say to avoid with your slips is profanity. And most people are pretty good about this. Like it's not like a, a widespread issue. The most common profanity is probably in regards to the fact that uh, pens don't write too well on our oil slips. Anyone who has the, the carbon paper oil slips they've seen before, that's a pretty common uh, sore spot for folks out there. And while I'm at it, I'm just going to digress one more time. I'm sorry. It's kind of my thing. When you're filling out those oil slips, you're, you're writing your unit ID for us or whatever else is on the slip. Let me tell you, a pencil works really well on those or like a felt tip marker, whatever. Yes, we know the ballpoint pens aren't that kind to them. We get it, but just use a pencil. It's okay. You can avoid so much uh, pain and, and suffering in your life. Just uh, just go ahead and use a pencil. It's fine. Um, so now I want to talk about consistency though. This is probably the most important point that I might get to in my unit ID talk uh, because you can make a good unit ID, you think it's solid, and then maybe you just uh, you get a little loose. You, you start calling it uh, Ford instead of 2016 F-250 or, or you go from sending every sample in with four cylinders of fury and then you start calling it uh, just Pontiac and, and then maybe one time you call it uh, 03 Sunfire or whatever. Here's the thing. Consistency is 
key in that we will not get confused and think, oh, we need to make a new file for this car when, oh no, they actually have existing history. They've just been using different names. I would say if there's ever a question, if you ever wonder, hey, I think I might have missed a sample. It might not be in this file and it should be. Please just reach out and let us know because we want to keep all of your data in one place. I think some, some people don't always assume that that's what we're about. It's just as satisfying for us as it is for you to have all your data in one place because we want to build up trends. We want to get to know a vehicle. So we will never make a new file because we wanted to. It's always because we think there needed to be one. And I would say sub point to number three about consistency and why that's so important. Give each other a little grace. Okay, so everyone's human. There can be errors where there possibly didn't need to be. Uh, maybe, you know, we got to mix up on our end or, or you got to mix up on your end and, and, and you meant to put one ID, you put another, calamity ensues, whatever. Fixing these things only takes a couple of keystrokes. So please, you know, if there's something that comes up, just email, call. No one tried to make this process difficult, I promise you. So we're, we're both human, customer and uh, company alike. So if we have something out of line and you want to let us know about it, just let us know with a kindly word email, phone call, we will get it fixed the same day and we will send it back out to you. We aren't going to you know, try and charge for sending a new report or anything of that nature. So give each other a little bit of grace. Because I understand it's, you know, I, I want to give these points of advice. That way it's easier for everyone when they're filling out their slips. But I totally get it. You're managing a lot of vehicles. Maybe you're just an owner and you sample everything you have. Everything from the lawnmower to, to the differential, to the engine, to the transmission, to I don't know what all you might have. You might have a chainsaw for all I know you're trying to sample. Whatever. We get it that there are clerical errors that kind of come up. And the thing I just want to let you know on top of that is it's an easy fix on our end. So just send us an email, subtract the profanity, and uh, we're going to be friends for a long time. And now it's time for another Catch Pan segment. These questions are coming from loyal listener of the program, Phil, and they relate to high mileage oil. What makes an engine high mileage and what are the risks and benefits of using different kinds of oil in these engines? So right off the top, I'm going to answer the easiest question first. That is that there is no risk to using a high mileage product in an engine regardless of how far up there in the mileage it is, or even, you know, some people want to run them at other points in the engine's life. And that kind of goes to the heart of the difficulty in describing what qualifies as a high mileage engine, because that's really different for everyone. I've looked at samples with, you know, maybe 80 some thousand miles on, on the engine and, and the customer will characterize it as high mileage or they'll say, well, it's getting up there. So I want to know how I should be taking care of it. So honestly, there's not a good standardized way to divvy up these miles and say, oh, well, this one is clearly a high mileage engine. This one is not. Of course, you have kind of obvious answers like any gasoline engine that's racked up in excess of 300,000 miles is pretty unusual. You will see it, but it's not all that common. 
But I would hesitate to say that you need to use a particular kind of product just because an engine has racked up XYZ amount of miles. And that's really due to the fact that we don't see a noticeable difference in how a high mileage oil works compared to its traditional counterparts. So for example, when these questions came in, I immediately went looking into our system to compare some traditional oils with their high mileage versions. And one example here that I think, you know, everyone has probably heard of is Mobile One. So I looked at Mobile One 020 and I compared it to the samples of Mobile One 020 high mileage that we had tested previously. And we have a lot of similarities here. So as far as the additive elements, the way these elements were balanced, the actual levels, so on and so forth, you had your molybdenum, boron, calcium, magnesium, phosphorus, zinc, all the relatively normal players in terms of additive packages for engine oils. So in addition to the elements being almost the exact same in terms of, you know, what's present, you also had the levels of these pretty much dead even between the two versions of oils. So I'm sure that there are differences when you break down the manufacturing process, maybe what goes into the blending process, steps that are well before the oil is placed in the bottle, gone to the engine, and then, you know, how we see it. Um, there might very well be differences there, you know, just like how synthetic oil is technically a different, you know, process than producing conventional. It's just that we're not going to see a noticeable difference in how these oils perform really where it matters most. Because I think what folks need to always come back to is exactly the information we can extrapolate from our tests. So keep in mind, with a used oil analysis, you can understand how an engine is wearing. You can understand if the oil is keeping the appropriate viscosity. You can check for contamination. You can evaluate oil filtration. But anything beyond that, you know, with regards to some of the the well-known benefits that are that are spoken of when it comes to high mileage. It's just not something that's going to show up in our tests. So when I talk about benefits that people will report, they'll mention, oh, well, I'll see reduced leaks or I'll see oil consumption improve just because I'm running high mileage oil. These are what I would call sensory benefits. They're unique to every owner. Some people will notice them. And no, I'm not trying to characterize them as something that the owner is just imagining. That's definitely not true. Like in previous episodes, I've talked about Lucas and how even my dad has used Lucas in an 01 Sienna. And, you know, it's just a Toyota that's racked up a lot of miles. And Lucas is a reason why oil consumption is better than it was before. It simply helps slow down how much oil the engine is using. So there are very real benefits. You know, you break down certain additives, you break down certain oils, but that's not necessarily going to show up in testing. I can't look at a sample, see healthy wear levels, uh, an absence of contamination, oil that held up well and say, ah, well, that's clearly due to the fact you're running high mileage oil. That's simply just not a conclusion that we can reach. So using these products... I want to circle back to the start here. There is no risk. Now, as for benefits, they aren't benefits that we can really see in testing because it doesn't necessarily translate to engine wear just magically improving. Using a high mileage oil won't make an issue like coolant contamination go away. It's not going to cure you know, a, a problem with excess fuel or, or say you have these contaminants present, you know they're there. Using a high mileage oil isn't going to suddenly put a band-aid on that problem. So it's something that you should always feel free to experiment. Uh, you don't have to reach a certain mileage marker. 
Um, everyone, I think from manufacturers on down to owners are going to have their own definition of what a high mileage engine is. So if you feel like the engine has earned that distinction and you want to start experimenting with a different brand or blend, feel free. And you might well notice a benefit that isn't the sort that will show up in a used oil analysis. And if you observe these benefits, by all means, keep rolling with what you're doing. We're all in favor of owners that are satisfied with the way their engine their transmission, whatever it may be. We're all on board with whatever keeps those systems running well. So at the end of the day, don't feel like you have to buy this stuff. Don't feel like you have to try different oils, different viscosities, making all these adjustments on your end simply because it's quote unquote high mileage. But at the same time, you know, experimenting isn't a bad idea, especially when you're talking about API certified brands and blends that are going to work well, especially if they match owner's manual specs. So that brings our episode to a close. I want to thank everyone for joining me today. If you like what you're hearing, please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. I love getting these topic suggestions in. I love feedback from customers. And you know what I might enjoy the most is Slick Talk merch orders. Just the other day, I was boxing up another hat order. You can, of course, find hats and t-shirts on our website. That's blackstone-labs.com. Go under the products tab. You can find Slick Talk swag, everything from hats to shirts to satisfy all of your Slick Talk fashion needs. We appreciate and love all these support. So keep on doing what you're doing. And we look forward to you joining us next time for episode 37. Cheers. I said cheers. That's weird. This is Blackstone Joe signing off. <laughs>